Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. It's the show for you, investors. I have Swapnil Mishra, head of private wealth at Crystal AI, to help us figure out movements in the markets and what they mean for you. Swapnil, how are you coping working from home? Uh, thanks so much, Michelle, for having me on the show. Um, uh, coping well, I must say, under the circumstances. Uh, at least there's enough action in the market uh, to keep me <laughs> busy. <laughs> <laughs> on your feet, on your toes. All right, let's get started. Uh, the 15-year license to operate 5G networks in Singapore. So the 5G rollout in Singapore is still on track despite all the challenges with COVID. And now we know 5G infrastructure is not something for the short term. Is this a good time then to invest in telecom or 5G stocks? I mean, the, the fact that they have reiterated that the plan is on track, which means uh, 5G is here to stay and 5G is going to be part of our lives. And um, and as you said, if you take a long-term view, uh, I think last year there were some ETFs that were launched which allowed uh, participating in, uh, in some of these uh, technologies or telecom. And uh, I think as a sector, it is, uh, it's a very relevant sector um, uh, and, and and should be in the portfolios for clients uh, if if you want to participate in in emerging uh, telecom uh, technology. All right, these are provisional licenses, though, right? So yes, investors should be looking at the the people behind the. Should they be looking at the telcos? What should they be looking for? I think in this case they should uh, see if if you're taking it as an industry or a trend. A diversified approach is the best because mm. it's very difficult to pick the winners or, uh, you know, in the long run, we don't really know who is going to come out, uh, emerge from this. Right. So a diversified ETF based approach uh, allows you to participate in a sector which you believe is uh, is going to be there in the future. All right, I got people walking into the studio asking me, you know, is it time to refinance and interest rates, trying, people trying to figure out the market. They're just walking in at all, all points in time of the show. But I want to talk about a, a, another topic which has had p- people walking into the studio to, you know, ask me what I think about things. So yeah. last week, Jakarta Post reported about 60 clean fuel tankers, oil tankers, were anchored along Singapore Strait. That's up from the usual 30 tankers, um, some vessels being used to hoard fuel at sea as onshore tanks fill up, others probably parked, waiting to be redirected to any willing buyer across Asia and the world because we've seen COVID-19 pummel economies and, and oil prices take a hit. There's been a slight rebound, I understand. But what do you think? With Singapore's coastline packed with ships uh, full of oil, what does this mean for Singapore? Is this a good time to buy? Uh, I mean, Singapore is is intricately linked to the uh, to the oil industry in in you know in a way because uh, whether it's the tankers, whether it's the ancillary the, the businesses, uh, and uh, and the fact that it is also a hub in terms of the region uh, for a lot of oil uh, companies and you know contributes to uh, employment as well. Uh, but I mean, having said all of that, oil is on a on a slippery slope, <laughs> and then literally so. <laughs> uh, we've we've seen, we've seen seen things completely uh, fall 
uh, off the wagon with with the negative uh, you know values on the on during the rollover that happened for the futures and um, i mean things have at least uh, they've kind of stabilized we don't know what's going to happen in the next uh, you know when the futures uh, rollover happens uh, i i think it's a it, it requires some element of bravery um or some element of caution so you know depending on how you look at it uh, to venture uh, even in the direction of saying okay let's buy oil mm. and um, i think one other interesting kind of divergence that is happening is the oil market uh, is pricing in a sustained drop in spending in terms of consumption of oil mm-hmm. while the market equity markets are assuming that everything is going to be fine in the next maybe 3 months or 6 months so uh i mean at at some point these things will converge uh, but otherwise at this point of time the uh, level at which oil is it's uh, it's it's quite uh, bleak in terms of uh, forecast even as the prices are rallying in your opinion and coming off record lows yeah they are just barely stabilizing at those levels we still don't have clarity on what happens to uh, production of course we've seen uh, in in many cases the uh, oil majors uh, have you know i mean some really things which have never happened before like uh, the element on dividend uh, the impact of high storage costs low demand which means there's no place to keep the oil these are all unprecedented measures mm. uh, even for uh, you know for the companies uh, i mean you have like for example the Italian giant uh, ENI reporting a 94% decline in profit so companies across the world um are uh, under tremendous pressure uh, you know and, and and mind you all the business plans for these companies would be on the assumption that oil is an essential commodity which you will consume uh, i i don't think they would have factored in a lockdown for a few months and that to at a global scale Right, right. Okay, we can't do a show without talking about COVID. So, the Center for Infectious Disease and Policy has said that COVID-19 is likely to keep spreading for at least another 18 months to 2 years. So, even as we transition to, you know, the opening up of the economy, we understand there're going to be low levels of um transmission still. And, you know, people are wondering then, okay, if we're talking about at least another 18 months to 2 years, when is it a good buy to when is it a good time to buy i mean and then there's conflicting info because this morning we just learned you know scientists have created an antibody in the lab and we we were talking about it this morning and this antibody seems effective against covid-19 so every development seems to shift the time frame a little bit uh what do you think uh, is when is a good time to buy in terms of stocks yeah actually the antibody news i also read in the morning and i and i thought okay this is this is uh, bringing us uh, closer to the uh, to the recovery uh, story exactly um uh, no so you so you're right i mean i, I think it it's uh, it's like the gabriel marquez uh, book right love in the times of cholera and here we are investing in the times of covid <laughs> so <laughs> i'll buy that book <laughs> No, I must say I I did uh, I pulled it out over the weekend. Um, I mean, of course, it's a great book. In terms of yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it it has been it has been difficult for investors uh, to take decisions with information which is uh, one uh, difficult to comprehend. Right. So so let's break it down. You have one which is the political dimension to this information. Mm. So some political leadership they are taking a view that. let's come out with a strong storyline and a 
strong, you know, act on the front foot and say we'll open up, economy will bounce back, uh, save the economy, even if we have, you know, a, a little bit more uh, cases of uh, the uh, the virus that happens. Mm. Uh, there's there's some elements of leadership who have taken a more cautious stance and almost saying that let's plan for the worst and hope and work towards the best. Right, and I think for investors, the cue here is that. Uh, Keep the liquidity and stay invested because there is a lot of effort which is being put in. But don't throw caution to the winds and assume that everything is going to be, uh, you know, absolutely fine in the very short period of time. So uh, I, I think the approach of uh, at least planning or estimating that we may see an extended recovery mm-hmm. because see, ultimately this is the entire curve, right? You have the slowdown. Every, I know even IMF has forecasted growth will go down. And then at some stage, it'll start recovering. Now, how fast it'll recover, how much it will recover, um, will keep moving based on, you know, things like uh, discovery of the virus or the second wave once uh, people start, the country start opening up. So uh, plan for, um, you know, the worst case scenario or plan for an extended recovery um, while staying invested because, uh, you know, some participation is important. You may have a situation where, a recovery is sooner than later. So don't sit it out. Don't sit on the sidelines in the meantime. Yes. In terms of recovery, we are seeing, you know, here in Singapore, for example, from 5th of May, traditional Chinese medicine for acupuncture can resume. From 12th of May, we'll see some food manufacturing firms can resume operations. Selected retail outlets, food-wise, can also reopen. So Singapore is starting to gradually ease the circuit breaker measures. In terms of that recovery, um, what sort of shape are you looking at? I think we've gone through the alphabet. Where are you now? <laughs> I think the alphabet, you know, we, we had the best, at least in case of U.S. markets, we had the best month since uh, 1987. I was just reading this um, in, in, in April. So while we are sitting and deciding on what alphabet it is, market has said that, okay, it's going to be a V-shaped recovery and there is that bounce back. Um, I think in case of Singapore, specifically uh, sectors which have been hit hard uh, will pose that uh, will show that recovery. So I feel if this uh, if if the numbers don't spike up uh, as the easing happens, then uh, anything which involves consumer spending will start uh, coming back. So we may we'll see something uh, in terms of the REITs. There's it's a positive thing. Um, industries linked to uh, FNB uh, retail will do well. I feel airline which has been hit hard. Uh, will probably take more time to come back because uh, airline, and especially in case of Singapore, where there is no domestic demand. So any travel out of Singapore is essentially to some other country. And that's where it is complex. So I think the airline uh, will take some more time to recover uh, versus some of the uh, spent, you know, consumer uh, retail spending related industries. Okay. So I want to back it up a little bit. You said, you know, when I asked you about timing to buy stocks, it's good to plan for the worst. But um, what does happen? I mean, in my opinion, the worst case scenario is a second wave of COVID. So what happens then should that happen? How do we protect our assets? So, I mean, there are two choices uh, fundamentally in terms of uh, planning for a worst case scenario. One is to invest a smaller corpus of the money or the smaller portion of the capital which is invested. Uh, the second option is to uh, either buy instruments which uh, will benefit or which will do well if the market goes down 
uh, and, and some diversification is achievable by buying things like treasuries. Uh, but otherwise, uh, using you know, more sophisticated instruments like buying a put option, which gives you that uh, kind of a hedge against the market going down. Um, so, yeah, so basically these two choices, sophisticated instruments or uh, investing less amount and going in a staggered fashion and keeping liquidity. So l- let's look at it this way. Hmm. If a month back an investor took a decision to uh, invest only 25% of the assets and hold back 75% of liquidity. Now, which means that that 25% has gone up in value, but the investor has missed out on making money on the entire 100. Right. Um, but that's, that's, I mean, given the volatility and the uncertainty, we should be, as an investor, we have to be happy that our 25% has made, let's say, 20% return. Uh, that's 5% return on the entire 100. It's not bad. So similar approach, which is, uh, you know, stay invested, but uh, keep some liquidity as uh, as a as a tool to uh, manage the uh, volatility in the environment. Okay, there's a popular phrase in investing, don't fight the Feds. The basic premise being investors shouldn't trade against the uh, Fed Reserve's actions, assuming that when the Fed lowers rates, stocks benefit. So when it comes to this bull run, do you think that what we're seeing is sustainable? Actually, this, the, the the association with the Fed is a bit dangerous because uh, you know that's your classic moral hazard. So uh, both investment grade bonds and some sub investment grade bonds have, uh, especially the the ETFs that Fed has uh, kind of announced that they will buy to support mm. the market. Uh, they have staged a, a significant recovery uh, to an extent that now uh, the the yield on these bonds or these bond uh, ETFs is is uh, is quite low uh, and it is not in line with what a yield on a bond should be today in an environment of uh, uncertainty so uh, there is that uh, danger and i i i think one has to uh, not buy simply because fed is buying so uh, central banks and then that's i mean of course fed is is the strongest player in this game uh-huh. uh, but for all central banks, uh, we can't, uh, I mean, the invest, from an investing point of view, you can't buy only because of that reason. One has to apply one's own uh, risk appetite and risk profile uh, before uh, investing. Okay, I remember reading Michael Burry uh, saying index funds are a massive bubble. Um, another researcher saying exchange-traded funds have yet to undergo a major test in the bear market. Um, so do you think there is a sort of an ETF, a worry of an ETF bubble finally bursting? So, I mean, concerns on ETFs have surfaced uh, time and again. Mm. Um, and, and I feel uh, I feel ETF is not the villain here. Mm. Um, ultimately, you know, what is the instrument doing? Uh, it's providing access yeah. uh, to, to, to clients and um, to investors. Right? So investors uh, historically did not have access to uh, to, to markets or products and ETFs kind of came along the way just as uh, things like, uh, you know, Amazon Prime or a Red Mart or all these came along the way where, you know, you have access to suppliers mm. and retailers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's unfair to blame the instrument. A bubble can be there in any asset, which is a different problem. But uh, in terms of the vehicle, it is oh. just providing access. I mean, Michael Burry has likened them to CDOs. He says they're like the collateralized debt obligations that he shorted before the 2008 financial crisis. So you disagree? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, have, I have seen that. <laughs> um, 
I mean, again, if you, if you look at what Fed is buying, um, Fed also realized that they need to do what Bank of Japan has been doing for a long time. So mm. it's not something that's the first time. Mm. Uh, that if, if the central bank wants to intervene, uh, what is the instrument which is liquid, which is traded, which is uh, giving them participation in supporting a multiple, uh, a large number of uh, securities, that's your ETF. They are buying LQD and I mean, they've announced they'll buy LQD and, and support the market. All right. Let's look at um, some companies that have been in the news. Amazon telling shareholders it will invest its expected $4 billion in sec- second quarter profit in COVID-19 related efforts, including buying personal protective equipment for workers, building testing capability, and that because of investment, it expects operating income for the quarter to be as high as $1.5 billion or as low as a loss of $1.5 billion. So um, at Amazon's latest earning call, he told investors they might want to take a seat, really? <laughs> or so I have heard. I was not there at that meeting. <laughs> What's next so, for Amazon? What do you see? I mean, they've, they've, they've announced they're hiring some 75,000 uh, people as well. So uh, with Amazon, the numbers are just so crazy that uh, it's difficult to keep track of what, what's happening. Uh, I think sometime back they had announced they're hiring 100,000 people. I mean, it's one of the few companies um, which is hiring at this uh, this larger scale. And um, I, I think the, the 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 fact that Amazon is a key player, uh, it's one of the big techs. It's it's it, it's it's here to uh, you know to to kind of be a part of uh, everyone's life. Uh, is there? The question, and, and, and here it's interesting, which is the profit warning or, or, the, or the concern or you know, flagging off for the next quarter, is around the rising cost. So operating costs for most of the companies have gone up, uh, just like for uh, Google ad revenues have gone down uh, because you know, obviously people are not uh, spending that much on, on, the, uh, on the advertisements. So I think uh, we may see some uh, you know uh, volatility in terms of the earnings which will get reflected and priced into the stock uh, uh, price for companies like amazon but i think as a business uh, they are here because they are designed uh, you know or, or they have the scale and they have the uh, the the you know tech behind them to uh, to help them continue to grow all right. In terms of help, I know many people are looking at remdesivir, that experimental drug made by Gilead, and hoping that it will reduce the time it'll take for COVID-19 patients to recover. So what do you make of Gilead and where it could be heading? I mean, it's, uh, these are digital, uh, these are like digital options, right? You, you, it's a double, of not, double or nothing kind of trade. So if you're looking at it uh, from a from a vaccine point of view, it's really good that they are getting closer to finding something, and, and we all hope that somebody in the world finds that. But in terms of uh, financially investing in something and benefiting out of that, that's a, uh, a tricky one because uh, we don't know who's going to find it first. Uh, we don't know who's the winner. So, uh, of course, with the way the financial markets are and with the way information flows, um, uh, these things are going to be tracked and we may see, uh, I mean, in case of Gillette itself, we saw that the stock price was uh, uh, was moving, up. I mean, it went up uh, the minute the announcement happened. Uh, but I think if, if from an investing point of view, uh, using a biotech ETF uh, is something which is more relevant. In fact, I mean, interestingly, 
biotech is becoming a uh, contemporary in terms of you know versus uh, pharmaceutical so historically pharmaceutical as a sector mm. was seen as a uh, you know core part and 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 uh, in terms of seasonality it was it countered some of the trends so uh, biotech etfs i think will play that role if you listen closely you might hear the banging of the drums for renewed trade war issuing from the US um are, are global markets spooked by that <laughs> on i think last week when this happened the futures were trading lower and uh, last night everything kind of started coming back um which means uh, the trade war is is probably just a distraction which has been uh, uh, thrown in the mix uh, because of more us elections related problems and uh, less to do with um, really adding into this trade war i think i think it is a distraction i i don't think anybody has the bandwidth right now to focus on anything beyond addressing this uh, pandemic all right and before we let you go we can't do a show for investors and not talk about what Warren Buffett's been doing recently thousands of investors watched Buffett opening the 2020 Berkshire Hathaway meeting on Saturday when he said he had made a mistake with airline shares talked about dumping the entire stake in airlines he's also said there's nothing to buy he's been selling and adding to his cash reserves so in light of what what he's been doing what should investors do yeah that's interesting because i remember i think in one of our previous talks we spoke about him uh, selling the airline uh, you know his, his stake in the airline yes um, yeah so i think what what a lot of investors were watching and in this case i think you know, they were streaming it live so uh, they were watching was what happens with the cash and is there incremental buying happening uh, but the reserves have gone up so clearly uh, uh, warren buffett is doing pretty much the same which is uh, not selling more than uh, at least you know, sectors which are uh, clearly under pressure and i don't think we need warren buffett to tell us that airlines will uh, will suffer because 95% of airlines the uh, you know, flights are cancelled so uh, we know that i, I think the, the the story the the real message over here is to keep the cash uh, so that as we see the opportunities we are able to buy into them yeah, that's, um, that's good in a sensible fashion. All right. Well, thank you very much, Swapnil. You usually have a song, a playlist for us, you know, that corresponds with the market. Any song, song list this uh, time around? I mean, if I go by what has been happening in April, then I can think of uh, Coldplay, which is uh, the song Up and Up, because <laughs> <laughs> the market is going up. <laughs> love that, love that. Thank you very much. Have a good day, Swapnil. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Swapnil Mishra is head of private wealth at crystal.ai here on Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.